Welcome to Love Unlocks Live Sessions. It is so great to have you here. Thank you for logging in. I see the people are coming on board. Please tell us where you are logging in from and what your expectation is of today. And if you have any questions as we go through this conversation, please put it up there. If you have comments, please put it up there. We'd love to hear from you and see what you're thinking. And if you have any prayer requests towards the end of the session, that's also very welcome. If this is your first time, this is Love Unlocks Live sessions where we chat to people uh, about how God's love has unlocked their lives and how God's love is continuing to unlock other people's lives through their lives or their ministry or the work they do. Uh, and it's amazing stories. We are on session 32. Uh, can't believe it. It's been 13 weeks and we've had some amazing conversations. Uh, and I would really encourage you to go back and to watch the videos or to listen to them on the podcast, we've also have it's on it's on iTunes, Spotify, most podcasts. Uh, you can get it on even my website. You can go to heinzwinkler.com forward slash podcast and check it out there. Uh, it's re some really great content that'll inspire and encourage you and uh, tell you how you can apply it to your own life. And this whole thing is brought to you by our, by our ministry called Love Key. At Love Key, we uh, we want to minister wholeness to families and unity to the body of Christ. That is our heart. That is our our passion. We want to see that healthy uh, families build our healthy nation, and that's our dream. And I, I think, especially in a time like this, we can all agree we need more of that. So that's what all these conversations are about. Thank you for those who are supporting Love Key. We really appreciate it. You can go to lovekeymission.com and check out what it's all about and how you can help us. My wife and I have been doing a marriage seminar Thursday nights uh, live and we're coming to an end for this first one. We've been doing it for 10 weeks. We are going to do a next one. We're going to do Let's Talk Marriage Volume 2 or 2, I don't know what to call it, the sequel. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to do something again. So if you are keen to be a part of that let us know and we will would love to send you more information about that all right that's enough talk on all of that stuff i would like to introduce you to our guest today he's a good friend of mine he is the lead elder of our church he is a bassist he is married to the beautiful helena they have a beautiful daughter alika and he is just an amazing man of God who loves Jesus, who loves the people in his church, who wants to see the gospel advance in all, in all over the world. He's got a heart for local church. He's got a heart for missions. He's just an all-around great guy. Please welcome to Love Unlocks. Pierre Smith, yay! Hey, hello, Heinz. Hello, everyone. Good to be with you today. It's so good to have <laughs> wow, you, bro. That was quite a bold up. <laughs> like, yeah, come on. Come on. We're excited to be here. We're excited to be a part of this. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Heinz. Um, we're not far away from each awesome. other, but we're still on video yeah, chat. A couple of kilometers, just that way. <laughs> yeah, I'll find you. We're just in, a little bit higher up on the hill. We're in the same. We're in the same. Okay, rub it in. Rub it in. No, it's it's great to have you. Thank you so much for making time. I know you're busy. How, awesome. How are you? And how have you guys been doing in this whole lockdown thing? Doing well. It's. Uh, I, I guess this is the standard answer. It's an up and down journey. It is good days and harder days, but. Jesus is on the throne. Nothing dethrones him. Amen. And we are grateful that we are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Even though the world around us shakes, the kingdom of God is never shaken. And uh, what a confidence that gives us. So it is going well. Our hearts are stirred with, with dreams and desires for the future of, 
of uh, our church, of ministry for our nation, for the nations of the world. I think as long as we keep having vision in front of us, it'll it'll go well. Wow, that's a that's a great answer. And ha- how have your have your wife, your kid, uh, just the community at large around you? How do you feel people have been handling this whole thing? Look, I think it, it comes a lot down to to personal journeys. Personal, I realize something. Character and personalities mm. play yeah. a massive part. So the, the the extroverts really battled. The introverts really loved it. <laughs> and so we are a, we're a great combination here in the Smith. That's true. <laughs> yeah, we're a great combination in the Smith household of introverts and extroverts and introverted extroverts and extroverted introverts. Wow, that's so. Uh, <laughs> we managed to get through it okay. as a team. Good. Get through it as a team. So we're doing well. The church community is doing well. On Sunday, we will have, uh, for the first time, an in-person connect as a, as a local church. Uh, we're going to have drive-through coffee and prayer and connecting with people. So I'm looking forward to see the people face-to-face and pray with them and love on them. And no hugs yet, but we'll get there soon. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, for those who are listening, um, other churches that are maybe thinking of how to handle this the small gathering thing, the limitations, uh, maybe just quickly share what, what, what are you guys actually doing to make this happen? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of churches are gathering already. The numbers is a little bit of a challenge for us in, in where we are. There's a lot of families, families with children. Um, so if you wanted to gather in 50, the kids have got to stay with you. So that means we're going to have to have seven or eight services and I don't think anyone is signing up for that long a Sunday. Yeah. So we just decided uh, we're going to use the venue that we, we gather at. And there's, there's two roads that, that we can use that people can come down. They'll be greeted at the top, then get a nice warm cup of coffee or chocolate. Sunday morning is going to be cold, so that's going to be great. <laughs> and then they're going to drive down and park at the end. And then our, our ministry team, which is our elders, our deacons, our prophetic intercessors will be there just praying over families, ministering to families. And we're trusting God for just a, just a moment of encountering Him and the power of the Spirit at work and people's lives changed. Sure. Um, he can do in 10 minutes what we tried to do for years. So we're really trusting for a, for a moment of, of great encounter with Him That's as awesome. we gather. That's great. I mean, it's a, it's really tough to to come up with creative ideas, uh, but I think you guys have done that and uh, well done. I mean, the other option is to do nothing or to just keep on, you know, doing online. Yeah. But at least we're you know taking steps forward. That's great. Um, you and Elena have been married. You were married quite young, and you've been married for quite yes. a while. How, how long have you guys been married now? So we're now 17th year. Yo. So got married at the age of me being 20 and her 21, Yo. four months difference. Oh, my word. So um, it's quite a, f- I mean, I can tell you so many fun fun stories about it. But uh, I guess our funniest one when we uh, we were searching for our first place to buy as a home, uh, we bought a little townhouse in Gordons Bay. And the one day I uh, the, the lawyers called me and I'm like, uh, who's Dion Smith? I'm like, well, that's my dad. Why you ask? And I say, well, the uh, in the registration office, he's married. Uh, he's married to Helena. Oh um, no! And then we started backtracking. So when we got married, <laughs> um, <laughs> my dad had to sign on behalf of me because I was underage. Oh my! Hat. Um, we were we were married in 2004. Yeah. So then the legal marriage age was 21. Now it's moved down to 18. Sure. But my dad had to sign on behalf of me, and then someone at home. Face just thought so. We had quite fun as a family. I called oh, my dad and said, Well, you've had two wives, you are married um, to my wife. That is amazing. <laughs> so it was, it was quite fun, yeah. So 
getting married young, you don't think about things like uh, like buying a house, yeah. and contracts, and how these things work. And so, walking out seventeen years and being married quite young has taught us some amazing lessons, and it's been an amazing, fun journey for for both of us. I can imagine. How, how did you guys meet, and how long was it from meeting till you popping the question? My friend, we we meet like a lot of. Uh, uh, young South Africans meet in the city of student love, Stellenbosch. I say, uh, So yeah, we were, <laughs> we were at, the, at a ministry and music school there, um, met each other in the first year. It was probably about a month. Um, and then Helena brought me a pear, an Afrikaans, a pear. Yeah. And she gave me this, this pear, <laughs> the pear, and she gave a little note with it. And she said, a lack of pear for a lack of pear. I say. So the Afrikaans the, people the will get that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she took the first initiative. It took me a little bit, a little bit longer to accept the fact that I actually do like this girl quite a lot. Uh, I was too holy. I'm here for the purposes of the Lord. I wow. need to focus on, on the right things. I cannot get. And then the Lord started convicting me of my spiritual pride and said, here, if you like this girl, investigate the options. Wow. And one thing led to, that, to another. So in our second year, we got engaged, married in our third year. And now we are in our 17th year of marriage. Yeah. So it's been an amazing, amazing journey. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. what, is, what is the first word that comes to mind for you when you think of your wife? Oh, wow. Uh, brightness. Sure. Um, her name actually means the bright one. Beautiful. And she just, she, she radiates life and light and Jesus. And uh, she's just radiating. So I think that would be the word I choose. And you've got one daughter, Alika. How old is she now? She's 10. Uh, time, time flies, especially when you're having fun. She's, she's amazing. tall for 10, eh? Wow. Yeah, she's a tall 10. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, so she's a great kid. Uh, she's changed our worlds upside down. She's made us live, live again and see life again. Wow. I think the moment you, you get a kid and you start seeing life through their eyes again, it's like reliving things. Yeah. And um, she just, she loves Jesus. She's she does ministry with us from being a little little kid. I mean, she was three months old and we were recording an album in a studio. And there she was. We saw some videos just last couple of weeks ago of her being a, a three-month-old baby drinking while we're in the studio recording songs. And then on buses, on flights. By the age uh, two, she's done 24 local flights with us. Because at that time in our wow. life, our music ministry was just really busy. So sure. she was just going everywhere with us. So she's used to the, the ministry world. Yeah, I when when I was um, leading worship with Helena the other night, she said that uh, Alika was c criticizing her singing as a three-year-old. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Listen, yeah. So we we're trying to get her to sing. She's playing ukulele. That's her instrument of choice, and she's absolutely nailing it. She's so cool. So well. Wow. But, uh, we, she's got a voice, but I think the singing will come when the time's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, with two musical parents, you know, there should be something there. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, um, and, and, oh, that's the other question. You're, you're, you have a beautiful word for your wife. What, what is the first word that comes to mind for Alika? Uh, I would say, man, there's, there's a lot. I would say compassion. Awesome. She's probably one of the most com compassionate people I know, uh, be it... For a little bug, or be it for an elderly person that's really in need, uh, she gives as much as she can. She's generous with her com compassion that she has. So awesome. She often challenges us in how we think about our money and our generosity and where we apply it. Uh, she's like a little wow. bit of a, 
the direction given there for the house. So, so no, she's a compassionate individual. Amazing. Um, empathy and sympathy and all those things. Well done. Yeah. Uh, she's amazing. So you've been, you said you, had, you, did, you were in music ministry for quite a while before you guys yes. uh, went into, you know, local full-time ministry, let's call it that. Um, and, and I'm sure there's been many hours on many stages. Uh, can you recall either in music ministry or ministry you're doing now, an embarrassing moment that you're willing to share with us? Ah, okay. I can recall thousands. <laughs> uh, we can share notes. <laughs> um, wow. Let me tell you my, probably my, my first embarrassing moment as a preacher, my first ever sermon I got to preach was in a little Baptist church in uh, East London. Oh, wow. And it was, so first time ever, I'm giving the mic, I'm giving 30 minutes to preach. So it's, up until that time, it's been all the other things, but not like you're the preacher. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as I picked up the mic to start the evening, I told the people, good night, everyone. <laughs> and the people started laughing. Like, Why are they laughing? I just, I said, hello. It's like, and then I thought, good night, it's good evening. I'm like, okay, well, there we go. Uh, well, at least and, the uh, ice was broken. Eh? <laughs> the ice was broken. So that's how it started off for me. So since then, there's been many many blurbs and, and, and uh, some bloopers on, in my speaking. Probably one of my most embarrassing things ever. I like to be creative and do creative things. So illustrations and, and, and do something on stage when yeah. I preach. So we once did a, a, a camp for children in, in Uppington. And then the, the theme for the, sun, the Saturday night, sorry, Saturday night was the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, how do, we, how do I make this tangible for the kids? And then yeah. I realized, well, I can do something with fire and popcorn. And so the whole thing was we had a gas stove on stage and a pot with oil and popcorn. And um, sure. long story short, so I speak about <laughs> the potential inside the, the kernel yeah. of, the, of the, the millie. Yeah, yeah. And when the fire of the Holy Spirit comes, what happens? We, we get exploded into the full potential. And I light up the, 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 gas, heat, the gas stove and the popcorn and there we go. And we're waiting for the next moment. The popcorn starts flying. The kids all started running up towards the open flame. Oh, no. With oil and popcorn. No. And it was chaos. No. And in my mind's eye, I saw it all happen in the explosion. And by God's grace, the, oh. one, the one lady who was one of the leaders on camp, she, she just intercepted and she dove some kids out of the way. She just dived right through them, got them out, switched off the thing. Yo. And then needless to say, the night was over and um, <laughs> it wasn't quite as we planned. So I realized then, make sure you get your science right when you do uh, yeah. these illustrations. Yeah, I, I remember a while ago, you, you said your wife still gets a little nervous when you have a big demonstration at a, in a sermon. <laughs> Listen, yeah, I, I, I need to exercise them and practice them. It's also the whole thing of yeah. thinking and doing it with your hands. Yeah, yeah, it's different. Multitasking, <laughs> I don't have to elaborate on that. As <laughs> men, we are a little bit limited. So <laughs> Yeah, we definitely need to make sure it's going to work. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, I need to give you props for, for trying. Uh, well, props for using props. That's actually a good saying. <laughs> there we go. Uh, you've done some very elaborate things, but you walk away remembering the concept and the principle. So that does work, I think. Yeah. When it works, it does work. Yes. <laughs> yes. So before you, before you and Lena took over at Every Nation, Somerset West, you guys yeah. were, we well, still are, but your main focus was a worship band, your worship band called Wholehearted. Uh, Will you please share with us where, where did that come from? Where does the name come from? What is the heart of yeah. Wholehearted? 
wholehearted is to have whole hearts. Um, no, let me, let me elaborate a bit. I think the journey even to wholehearted was one of, of probably five years of doing music ministry in various ways, be it session work as a bassist and, and um, or Helena, there was another project she was part of, Late Kids. She was the, the lead singer for that, which was a, a stem off from uh, Retief Burgers, uh, Late Kills. And we did two DVDs for that and did a lot of touring. And then out of that, there were like just a little bit of that Afrikaans worship scene that we were a part of. Um, and then when, when the Lord planted us in this house, in every nation, some sort of waste, um, really, the, when, we, when we joined, the church was still young. It was just over a year old. There was a little worship team, and the next moment, uh, they all just left, and we just arrived. And we were like, well, here's an opportunity to just serve. So we got into serving and started serving the community. And I remember for the first maybe three four months, it was Eliana on piano, and that was it. And then the Lord started adding more musicians, and it grew and it grew. And then um, in 2009, we felt the Lord speak to us about songwriting. Uh, because of the what songwriting does prophetically, for a community and for a nation yeah. and what songwriting does in terms of capturing the heart of who you are as a people, as a house and your people just to relate to those local songs in a different way. So, so good. We, we started writing and before we knew it, we were in the studio recording the first album. There was a great group of, of writers together, people who've all had all walks of life in terms of music ministry and their own calling and we collaborated. And then one song came out, which the song was called Wholehearted. Okay. And um, I'll still rem- I, I want to share maybe the chorus. The chorus goes, I'll waste my life on you. So let me just pause it there because that's a strong lyric. Yeah. Um, it was based on where um, we assume Mary came and she poured out the expensive perfume on Jesus. And then the Bible says, I think it's the NIV, that um, the, the disciples were, they were, uh, they were a little bit upset about this expensive perfume being poured out on Jesus, and they asked why this waste. Yeah, because it's like a and year, then, a year worth of wages. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And like why? Is, and then Jesus says, "There was no waste. What she did was amazing, and it's beautiful, and it's worship, and it prepared him for what was to come." Sure. So that line, "I'll, wa- I'll waste my life on you," was really a complete outpouring of our worship unto Him. Awesome. That's what it means, because our lives are wasting away anyway. So. Let's pour it out. Let's let's let it be unto Him. And then it says, "Half-heartedly won't do. You surrendered on a cross, giving all for us in this dry and broken world. Pour me out, all of me." So writing a song is one thing. Singing that song and it's authenticated in your life is a whole different ballgame. Yeah, so, absolutely. <laughs> sure. And, and I think the the Lord taught us early on. You can sing these things, but if it's not, it's a little bit like preaching. Don't preach what you don't. At least try and live. Yeah. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about the desire to, yes. to live according to the word. Don't preach the things that you, you're not at least contending for victory for in your own walk. But we, we said it's the same with singing. Um, there's a moment where Jesus quotes Isaiah and he says, uh, These people draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Mm. And then or out of all of these thoughts, the Lord really just spoke to us about wholehearted becoming a movement of worshipers who live the songs they sing. Sure. If you think about the six songs back in the day when we used to gather and have a lot of time to sing worship songs together, yeah, yeah. Uh, that we sing, imagine you actually live every word and fully and wholeheartedly believe every word you sing every Sunday. Yeah, That is a mouthful. And, and we, we wanted to see just the church get, get to understanding that we can't just stand empty before Him and go through the motion or the experience or the elation of a worship set. 
and not mean those words. So wholehearted means really to be worshippers who, who sing the songs and even be mindful before they start opening up their mouths about what they're singing and saying, God, we will live this. Our lives will be poured out to you in, so in the songs that we sing. So that's sure. the heartbeat of, of, the, of the, the music ministry, wholehearted. I love that because I think we, you know, we can look back at the last couple of years in, in the, let's say, the modern Western church, and there's a, there's a very strong temptation to start worshiping worship and worshiping yeah. songs and worshiping worship leaders without us even maybe realizing yes. it. You know, it becomes about, Sadly. and I mean, I, I, I do that. A big part of what I do is, is also to create music and go out and be on a stage and, and lead these songs. And the, the biggest challenge is, f is, for, is for me to be there, but to get out of the way and, mm. and for it to be about Jesus. And, and it's even harder to communicate that to the people in front of you. But I think, you have to start somewhere, and you guys did. And you, every time you sing those songs, every time you lead worship, you, you do by example and by the words you sing. That, that's really amazing. I'm going to say this at the end as well, but if you guys were stirred by that, please go uh, check in this post. There's a link to their YouTube page and their Instagram where you can also find how to get, and you can search them on Spotify, iTunes. Go listen to their songs. It's some really, really great songs uh, that will really bless you. So check it out. Um, awesome. awesome. That's, I'm so encouraged by that. That was really cool. Uh, yo, man, just want to honor, <laughs> I just want to honor you and thank you for your heart and your focus. That's so cool. Uh, Thanks, I want to, I want people to, the whole focus of this talk show is for people to hear how God's love has unlocked people's lives. Mm -hmm. And I know a little bit about your story, but I don't know all of it. Um, and yes. I'd love to know, and if you can share what mm. can you remember your your first encounter with Jesus? The first time that you came, got saved, got born again. Uh, yeah. what, what was that like for you? And and then I'll ask you a follow up question. But maybe let's start there. That's great. Um, privileged to have grown up with incredible parents who has through all their life uh, always try to honor God in everything they do, mm. and being strong believers themselves and exercising faith and. And doing big faith moves and being incredibly generous, I always, if I, I always think of my parents, a thing, probably the greatest gift that they've invested in us as children is to be completely generous to, to the world out there. And wow. the, 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 the lessons of generosity I've learned through growing up in, in that house has been amazing and still today, something I celebrate. So they've always pointed us to Christ. We were, we were church-going people. We were serving at church, got involved. For me personally, um, there was a movement back when I was just entering high school called Love Southern Africa. Heinz, you might remember that. Oh, um, yes. I, remember, I, was at, yeah. I was at those big events. I loved it. Those big events. Yeah. <laughs> and definitely an incredible season that God had for that. It was the Joshua generation was part of that. Yes. Too. And it was at such an event at the age 14 that it was in, um, in Germiston. I can't remember exactly where, but there was a Germiston event. And Louis Britz was leading worship. And as, I just as he did at the LSA's. As yeah. he did. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a funny story about Louis Britz in a moment, but we'll Please. get to that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we, I was there. Um, my, my parents took us through. My sister was older. She was part of the outreach team and all of that. But the one night there was that worship moment, and it was really deeply personal. I just felt the Lord compel me to respond 
completely and wholly and completely laid down my life. And then they, mm. they made, made an altar call and they invited those who wanted to accept Jesus to the front. And something just pushed me forward. The Spirit of God got hold of me. I sure. was on my knees. I was weeping endlessly for maybe 20 minutes. And I, I, I recognized standing up from that place that I'm a new creation, that wow. Christ has come and changed my life upside down. And since then, sure. uh, through my high school years, I just fell more in love with Jesus at the age of uh, 18 in matric, the Lord convicted me about baptism and that that is something that you do once you say yes to Christ, then in obedience you respond and you, you get baptized. Amen. So that was another big milestone for me in my journey with the Lord. Sure. Uh, in the month of May, just as I turned 18, I got baptized and at the same time, spirit baptized at the same night. And since then, my life has just been completely pursuing him and and building on what he's done before so wow. i can really just testify of of years of god's faithfulness in my life and who i am today and where he's led me is definitely a community project starting with my parents and since then being involved in in wherever god wants me in ministry and and have people help me grow and develop me and i'm, I'm just grateful that he's always been faithful to me in surrounding me with people that helped me on this journey of being a, uh, the best I can for him and his purposes. I love it. Mm. You have a, uh, you must correct me if I'm <clears throat> wrong, but you've got a, yeah. a big heart for missions. And yeah. a lot of that's based on your parents who have a heart for missions, right? And they, yeah. they introduced you to the mission field. Yeah. So as I said, generosity being a big thing, I mean, uh, they've always reached out in, in unique, in unique ways. Um, we, we, we got to travel uh, when we were children, not for missions work, but just, but in their local context. I mean, I remember Sundays after church, uh, the first thing we do before we sit down and have lunch is we make food for the people who, was, who were selling the newspapers on the street corners. And then we would go and give them food and minister to them. Wow. Uh, my dad used to work for a, for a uh, organization that had uh, all these outposts in South Africa and he was the security oversight for that. And I remember on Christmas days before we have our Christmas or right after we have our Christmas lunch, uh, he would get in the car on Christmas day and drive sometimes two, 300 kilometers to stop and go thank the workers for working on Christmas day and taking Yo. Christmas gifts. So wow. just always a heart of not just thinking about yourself, but looking sure. out for others, the benefit of others, um, loving on others, yeah. um, being involved in in children's homes, opening up our homes for, mm. for children who, who don't have a home. Wow. Um, so there's been a constant surrounding just around that. And then as I grew a little bit more into my calling, and, and I think they always knew the calling God had for me and cheered me on it in that uh, they really got us as kids to start going on outreaches um, with things like La, uh, Love Southern Africa, our local church community. I did my first outreach at the age 16 to Nkhlazatsi in Swaziland. I'll never forget that it was such an amazing moment. So sure. just the intentional investing in us as kids on how to be on the lookout. One of my live verses is Ephesians 2.10. It says, where you are created, uh, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared for you beforehand, beforehand yeah. that you may walk in them. So good. And, and I think it's really because of that lifestyle they lived. Today, they are good works. He's prepared you for it. You are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. All you have to do is find it and walk it out. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I often marvel at the idea that, that Christians don't do good works because 
he's done everything. You just got to walk in it. Um, <laughs> it's not really up to you that much. Yeah. Um, so I, I just, that's something that's been deeply invested in, in me. And, and then when I met Ileana, the same for her, her parents are full-time uh, pastors. They lead our, our church in Calidon. She grew up in the very same way. She grew up in, in tent evangelism meetings, uh, sleeping wow. under the under the, the, the chairs while the ministry is going on for four or five hours. So <laughs> I think when the Lord put us together, there was just that yeah. great heritage of what He wanted to join for, for future use. And also like a, a big a big piece of understanding each other, I guess, yes, with that. Definitely. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. I like how you started your answer when you said you were very privileged to have parents like that. And I, I can just say amen to that. You know, in, yeah. a, in a world where that is not the norm anymore, if it ever was, um, yeah, let's take a moment and honor your parents for being yes. those kinds of people and seeing now the legacy of that. And, and may that just be an encouragement to anyone listening right now. If you are a parent, you have the ability to to lead your kids to do more than you ever could uh, yeah. if you just have that focus and uh, wow I'm inspired by your dad I, I would love to I would love to meet him <laughs> <laughs> he's a great guy <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure wow that's incredible that's so good um, can you uh, I remember you sharing a story once about one of your experiences in the mission field in India yeah it really it really captivated my heart. Um, do you know which one I'm talking about? Yes, I, I got it. Okay, can it's, you please share that with us? Yeah, listen, I'm so, um, again, something that I love about pursuing God is I think sometimes we have the idea of what it's going to look like and we've got dreams and desires and ambitions, but if we just surrender and let Him lead the process, then 10 years down the line, you look back and you're like, wow, that's what it was all meant for. So uh, a little bit of a side story, Eliana and I was working in the Seychelles as musicians right after our, our training years in ministry. We took a six-month trip there. and That sounds glamorous. Yeah, it, it, it sounds glamorous. I know, just, I know. I, I can elaborate on, on that. It just sounds glamorous. It wasn't glamorous. <laughs> okay. Um, but our friends there were Indians mostly and people from Pakistan and Sri Lanka and in that, we were dreaming about what would it look like if we maybe finish our time in Seychelles and get on a ship and go to India for a couple of months. And God planted a seed for India, not knowing what it meant. A couple of years later, we in every nation Sam's West. And then by God's design, we got, got in connection with this ministry in India. And God spoke to our leader then about ministry to India. And before we knew it, I was on that first mission trip there and consequently has been back five times. Sure. Um, I really just, I, I often say it sometimes, I think if, if God had to, if someone had to rip open my, my rib cage and reveal my heart, it'll be in the shape of India because something just wow. resonated in, in my heart for that nation. Sure. And, um, but the one specific trip we were there, it was my second time in India. We did a little bit of a, a tourist trip. It was a little bit more of like scouting the land before ministry and to really understand a little bit more about the dynamics of the culture. We went to Varanasi, which is... Um, Second oldest city, they reckon, in the world, like City City uh, after Jerusalem. Wow. Uh, it is the, the, the mecca of Buddhism and Hinduism. Both of them were, were birthed there and started there. Um, so it's just a, a crazy place. And within the middle of the city is the Ganges River. Uh, you've probably seen images of that before and, and all these buildings around it. So mm. 
These people exercise worship at sunset and during evenings. They have all these worship rituals uh, for their gods for and mostly for the, the god Ganga, which is the river that they worship there. And, I mean, we were there for a day and we walked, the, the, the walked past the, the river and you see it. But then the one night we were on a boat on the river looking onto the shore and the sons of Ganga is what they refer to them, are these worship leaders, in essence, who do all these worship rituals to to worship their God. And Heinz, the, just the sheer magnitude of human souls that you see. I mean, the banks are filled with hundreds and thousands of people. Yeah. And they're all in awe of this river and the lights and and the fire and the things that people do. Yeah. And I was standing on the, on, the, on the little boat looking at these people and almost in my mind, I, it's, it's like the, those futuristic movies where people walk around and they've got like a counter over their heads with a number or, yeah, yeah. or like a fuel level left. And it's almost like I saw all these people and there was these digital counters over their heads and it just said, lost, lost, yeah. lost, yeah. without Jesus, without Jesus, oh. without Jesus, destined to eternity without Christ. And my heart just, sure. the magnitude of seeing hundreds and thousands of people there who has not heard about Jesus. Yeah. And I was completely flawed. I was crying for days. Mm. I, I'm even emotional thinking about it now. And then the question that came to mind is, Lord, have you really called the church to just have a weekend and weekend out and we get more and then we complain and we don't like this and we don't like that and this is uncomfortable, this is good. Or have you called the church to take the gospel message of Jesus to the nations because there are nations and there are thousands, there are millions of people who still need to hear the gospel. Yeah. And that has forever changed me. I'm like, God, this is what living for you is all about. It is not just about getting my best life now on this earth. Heaven is for heaven. <laughs> We're going to have all the benefits in heaven. Life on this side is a little bit broken, and there are things that are going to be challenging. But can we can we choose to take up the, the gospel flag of preaching the gospel to all the nations at every opportunity? And if you count God, go be praying for nations. If you, if you can't pray for nations or don't know how to pray for nations, to invest in, in, in initiatives that takes the gospel to the unreached peoples of the world. Sure. And, and that's, that's what I want to give my life to. Uh, yes, the local community, because everything you do translocal has to be planted and supported from a local community of authenticity and love and accountability and support. Yeah. But we've got to think if we want to see Jesus come back, we get a, got to get the gospel out. I know there's a lot of like he's coming back soon and this and that. He's very clear that he's going to come and he's going to come when everyone has heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Yeah. And and I'm I'm ready to let him come back. So I'm come on, church. Can yes. we get out there and get the gospel to the unreached peoples? That's so of good. The world? Uh, my next question was going to be, what is your what is your big life dream? But I think you've just answered that question. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, maybe to elaborate on that a bit, I, yeah, I think please. I, I think we and and possibly yourself. I grew up in an environment, entering into my student years, where there was a whole this whole thing of if your dream don't doesn't scare you, it's not from God, and yeah. your dream has got to be big and. And I, yes, I battled. I, I was fasting. I was praying like, Lord, what is my dream? And try to figure it out. And, and then really, God spoke to me one day and he, he took me to the story of Abraham. And God had massive dreams for Abraham. I mean, the father of our faith. Yeah. Um, the, we know the story of how he called him and, and how he was the father of a nation and how he had to contend for the promise of God and wait 
so long for the promise of God. The wait, yeah, that's the, the tough part. Um, mm. And then really what, what stood out to me is that God showed up in Abram's life and told Abram, this is where I want you to go. Back up your tents and go to the nation. I'll show you. He didn't tell him, here's the nation. I'm going to give you three hours to pack your tent, make your plans. He just get up and move. Yeah. And as he got up and moved, God started directing his steps. Yeah. So, and, and for me, when I think about dreaming, my dream, my life dream is to do whatever Jesus gives me to do. Even in leading a church, even in doing wholehearted, it was never a dream like I want to be on stage and, and, and see people sing or I want to have be a leader of a church. My dream has always been Jesus, whatever you give me, I'll take. If it is a season of leading a church, I'll take it. If it's a season of living in another nation, I'll take it. And I think within that big dream, the small dreams and those little passions and fires inside of you gets gets answered. Yeah. So for me, it's really about just pursuing Him and whatever He gives us for whichever season of life, we'll wholeheartedly do with everything we can. So good. I love that. We're going to play a little game called Define, wow. the, define the Following Term. Great. All right. First... <laughs> Uh, it, it's, I'm calling it a game, but it's actually, you know, I, I think this is very, very serious uh, to, to talk about these terms that we so loosely use in the church and whether we actually really understand what they mean mm. and we understand the weight of it. So I didn't really prepare you for this. So let's see what happens. Um, let's see. So, <laughs> so the, Take it easy. So the first word that I would like you to define is salvation. Wow, salvation is doing what we cannot. It's accepting that which we cannot do by ourselves. It is grace. It is something that restores us back to the Father. It is never out of our own doing. And salvation is a moment of surrender to Christ, but it is a lifelong journey of, of walking it out every single day. Uh, and it's daily available to all of us. And so good. I believe salvation is the, is the spark of our joy recognizing that that's the one thing, if you have it, that nothing can take away. This world is not forever. Our lives aren't forever. Our friendships aren't forever. Our relationships aren't forever. Our homes, our cars, our stuff. Our only constant in life is God. Mm. And because of the gift of salvation, we can daily have joy because we have it and we have eternity. That's good. What is salvation not? Oh, wow. Salvation is not own effort. It is not... Uh, our own attempts. Salvation is not a f just a free ticket to heaven. It's not just a quick fix and a little bit of a, <laughs> a little bit of a, you're okay, you'll be fine, you'll yeah. be there one day, but have your best life now and do whatever you want to. Yeah, um, so good. Salvation to me is, is the essence of humility, knowing that a king, God, would lay down his life because he counted me so, so worthwhile in doing that for me so so therefore i'll lay down my life for him so salvation to me for me is a two-way uh, relationship it's him laying down his life uh, for me and then in response uh, saying lord you can take mine uh, and do whatever you please that's great i like that thank you um next word faith what is faith 
Well, I can quote the scriptures and tell you what faith is. Yes, please. <laughs> what now, is the first one that comes to mind? Let's see. <laughs> faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Um, uh, I think faith is an interesting one, Heinz. Uh, faith is because of God. Faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God. So yeah. we, it, it questions whether you have true or half true or not true faith is depending on how much you hear the word sure. and the, the pure word. So good. That I think determines how your faith is lived out. Mm. Uh, I don't think faith is a, is a quick fix to solutions and answers and something that you can just name and claim and frame and it's yours. Um, I think faith is also accepting the things that in God's sovereignty might not be the way that you wanted it to, but you still hold on to him. Uh, irregardless, and that's why the whole of the New Testament is so full of encouragements to to allow the testing of our faith. Yeah. Um, I think faith is only real when, once it's been tested and still proven to be there, and your faithfulness to God is still there, and the way you see Him and love Him and pursue Him is intact, even though you might have been through one of life's hardest and most challenging lessons. Sure. I'm sorry, Pierre, but that just doesn't you know, make me feel good. Uh, doesn't it's not honey on my ears? Why? How can you say that about faith? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding, but I I love that you are real about that because I think that is a, a big misunderstanding in general mm. in in many Christians' viewpoint of of God. They a while ago I I was asked to to do a, a message for a church and and I've, I asked God what should I talk about and and I felt Him say. Why don't you talk about your expectations of you, uh, of, mm. of me, versus my expectations of you? And and, I, and and that's basically ended up being a, a talk about sovereignty, like you said now. Yeah. That, you know, we, especially in the more Western modern day world of church, we, we start reading the word and saying, oh, well, I can expect this from God, you know? And, yeah. and there's a difference between standing on the word by faith, trusting him in his sovereignty and mm. expecting something from him. Like you go to a store and you buy something. It's, there's a difference. And I think we've, yeah. we've blurred those lines, you know. Yes. And it's, it has a lot to do with how it's communicated to, to, to Christians. Mm. And, and I think there's a big, I don't know if you find this, but there's a big, still a big lack of the, the people in churches that don't see themselves as clergy, as leaders, um, that mm. they, there's still a lack of spending time in the Word on my own, hearing from God by the leading of the Spirit so I can get revelation. It's mm. more of like, let me just go to church and hear what the man of God is saying mm. so that mm. I can piggyback on his revelation. And then it's like, you, you believe yeah. whatever he's saying and you, you're not yeah. testing it on the Word. You're not, you know, so... I find the churches that are the healthiest are the ones where the, the, the leaders are accountable to each other for what they mm. say, how they say it, mm. and they are constantly yes. encouraging the, the people, the saints. You know, the, the word says that the fivefold is there to equip the saints for the yes, work exactly. of, ministry. of ministry. And somewhere <laughs> we've missed this. Like we're coming to church to get ministry but we forget mm. that we actually have to then leave and be minister to the world. And there's right. something missing there. And I think it has a lot to do with 
our faith and our expectations of God and our expectations of ourselves. And anyway, I, I'm going on a tangent, but I just, that sparked You're something. You're touching on quite a lot there. <laughs> I know, I know. But uh, yeah, I think about these good. things a lot. Uh, I think um, just to respond on, on just the idea of sovereignty, think about Abraham. He didn't, he didn't get to 40 years and, and like, come on, God. I'm standing on that promise. You better fulfill it now. Yeah. Time is running out. Maybe that's why he's called the father of the faith. Yeah. Because he walked sure. it out yeah. faithfully for 90, getting close to 100 years. Older than that. And, that then, and then once that promise is there, God says, put it down on the altar. Wow. Maybe that's why he's called the father of faith. Not because he saw the promise fulfilled. If you read Hebrews 11, it speaks about... Yeah. starts with faith is the evidence of things hopeful, the substance of not things, things, but then it talks about the whole of fame of those. Yeah. And it says, these never saw the full promise. Sure. Abraham didn't see the full promise. Yeah. He didn't see the full promise of, of everything God, God told him. He saw the, the fulfillment of, of his son and the first few things around that. But yeah. I think we, we are in this world, as you said, where we've got to see it now. We've got to see it in this generation. We've got to see it in our lifetime. And I'm like, Maybe if we just take a step back and say, okay, God, I'm going to be faithful and continue loving you and pursuing you. And however your sovereignty determines my life to be, I, I have faith that that is the best for your kingdom purposes. Um, I think that it's really true. And as you say, to not build it on secondhand revelation of just attending church and hearing a great message. But are you in the word of God? Because your faith is built by hearing the word, not hearing it for 20 minutes on a Sunday, yeah. hearing it daily through the reading of it and the, the meditation upon it and the contemplation of the word. That's which is the thing that builds your faith and keeps you sustained, Amen. especially in a season like now. Yeah. There, there's an opportunity now and there has been, especially in hard lockdown for us to, your faith and your walk with Jesus, just make that priority Yeah. Uh, because the, the massive group thing wasn't there. So I completely agree with you, Heinz. It is so important that we understand that and live that right. Great. Preach it, brother. Um, <laughs> okay, the next word that we hear a lot, and I've heard different understandings of this as well, so that's why I'm throwing it out there. Um, Go discipleship. What is discipleship in, in mm. biblical context? Yeah. Uh, Jesus said, come, come and become. Come after me, and you will become fishers of men. Sure. So, maybe this is a test for you, whether you're a disciple, because those who come to Jesus will become disciple makers, will become fishers of men. Mm. So if you fully come to Christ, your becoming in your walk with Him is in such a way that you won't be able to help yourself but share the good news and the hope that is in you. And once you share that and you see a lost person saved and, and someone's life changed, that you would want to walk with them Till they grow into more maturity in Christ. And that's what discipleship is. Mm. It is following Jesus wholeheartedly. And as you do, you are changed. And you are changed in such a way that you will share this message with the world. And you won't just leave it in sharing, but then you will commit your life to walking it out with those that God entrusts to you in the same way. And then as they come after Christ, they will become disciples. And then it carries on. And that's how we see the world changed. And Jesus comes sooner because the church is living that and all of us are doing it. So it's coming and becoming. That is one of the best definitions I've ever heard. Well done. That is so good. What a great summary. I'm going <laughs> no, I'm gonna, just, I'm gonna so listen simple. back to this and write it down. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Um, 
And this, the, the next word, okay, I'm not going to lead the witness. Just say it. Lordship. Mm, yes. <laughs> oh, man. There's a scripture uh, that I absolutely love. It says, you are God in heaven, and here am I on earth. So I'll let my words be few. Um, and, and I think it's just understanding that we have a king, and he's got a kingdom, and he's on the throne of his kingdom. And, and yes, we are sons and daughters of the Most High, and yes, we get to reign and rule, and yes, we are granted authority in this world, but Lordship to me again comes back to humility. Do I live in such a way that whatever my king decides, whatever my father decides, I will say amen, and I will walk through the fire if you want me to. It's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Be it known to you, King, that if we go into this fire and we perish, we will not bow down to you. We bow down to one. Mm. And sadly, in the world today, people are bowing down to so many things because they don't get that lordship is the essence of everything, is that the creator who loves us so much and gave his life for us, who's extended his grace to us in the same breath, he's holy, he's set apart, he's sovereign. Nothing in this world happens without it passing by his throne and he allowing it to happen. We see that in Job's life. Mm. Um, and, and lordship to me is to be confident of my confession that he is in control and on the throne, even though life does not go the way I want it to and still be joyful and serve him and lay down my life for him. Um, so lordship is massive. I mean, I can, I'm only scratching the surface. But it's a place of complete surrender. It's a place of being aware of how small you are. And sometimes Job said, I put my, my, hand, my, put my mouth in the dust. I'm just going to be quiet for a little while and be yeah. so aware of your, sure. your complete, complete holiness and hugeness and indescribable attributes. Um, if you ever want to read a book that challenges you and grows you in your understanding of Lordship, it's The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. Okay. It's not something you read in a week. You, you take a couple of years in reading it. <laughs> I'm sure. But it speaks about the attributes of God as wow. God. Sure. In his omniscience and omnipotence and power. And, uh, and it's, it, it's really changed my... So when I say the word lordship, there's something that happens in my spirit of just want to go a little bit lower and bend my knee down a little bit more and just like, God, you are God. And, and I mean, we see it in the New Testament. John is transported into heaven and he says, when I saw him, I fell down as one that was dead. Mm. And Lordship to me is also coming to God, not in a brazen, yeah. um, a brazen way and a familiar way, but to understand who he is in his holiness and his perfection. Yeah. On that note, do you think the... Yeah, maybe this is putting you on the spot, but do you think the church, the church in general, has a grasp on what it means to have fear of the Lord? Sure, Heinz, you, you, you're, going, you're going deep. Let, let me not be the judge. That's, that's reserved for him. But let me say this. I, I'm all for healthy fear and reverence in the church. The letters to the churches in, in uh, Revelation, um, it quickly points to us that there's no, no such thing as a perfect church. It also points us that there's a whole lot of grace. To those churches that didn't get it right, he extended grace once more. 
and said, guys, here's an opportunity for you to become a little bit more like I want you to be. Yeah. Um, it is interesting if, you, if we study the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2, when the church was birthed, the initial church, uh, probably maybe for a few moments or a day before someone made a mistake, because humans make mistakes, in its purity, in its initial stance, it said that they lived in such a community that fear came upon every soul. Uh, we quickly try and, and make the word fear something a little bit lighter, just it's reverence, it's standing in awe. The word fear is the same word uh, in the Greek there as it is in, in the Hebrew in the Old Testament, which comes from the word phobos, which means to be afraid. Yeah. And I think if we were like John, who's probably saw Jesus and walked with him and was quite familiar with Christ, mm. yet when he saw him in his holiness, mm. he fell down as one that was dead. Sure. There's, uh, there's the, the couple who, who sold some stuff and they didn't bring all the money to the apostles' feet and they were, yeah. they were, they were dead in that moment. There's Isaiah in chapter, Isaiah chapter 6, is in the presence of God, and, and he says, Woe is me, mm. I'm a man of unclean lips, so aware of his brokenness. Now, Jesus bridged the gap. We've got a confidence. We can come to that throne. We can come to that place of meeting him face to face. The curtain is torn. There's an yeah. invitation to the Holy of Holies. So, I'm not saying this to try and get us away from it. In fact, I'm rather saying, let our demeanor and the, the posterity of our heart when we come to him be one of complete Lord, that you would allow me sure. to come. Yes. Thank you for the cross. Wow. It brings me back to the gospel. Yes. Because of the gospel, I can. I can. And then yeah. it stirs the joy. And you're like, yeah, let's go. Let's go to the so presence good. of God because of what Jesus has done. So yeah. in my opinion, the fear of the Lord brings us back to a healthy understanding of the gospel again and yeah. what Jesus has done. Sure. And that puts in me an even greater sense of worship and awe and joy and celebration and Man, what a privilege to know him. Wow. You are very wise. Well done. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> the next term is something that I think is very dear to your heart, spiritual family. What is spiritual family? Uh, yo, there's a nice Afrikaans word. Maybe you can help me find the English. Behoud. Geestelike familie is ons behoud. Yes. Um, uh, that is a good word. Let me think of mm. the English. <laughs> Maybe someone can type it, but you can do it. Once. But it's, it's our safekeeping. It's our, it's our compass. It's it's the thing that keeps us grounded. Yeah. Um, Beautiful. We are we are a family in Christ. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, set apart to, to proclaim the excellencies of God to this world. And, but more than that, we are we are one one each other's protectors 